Welcome back to a Clubfoot Mom podcast. I'm your host and fellow Clubfoot Mom, Maureen Hoff. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Bernie Landles, a certified infant massage instructor and author of the book, Finding Their Feet. Bernie and I connected on a professional level about our mutual love of feet. While Bernie is not a clubfoot parent or professional, she has a wealth of knowledge about infant feet and how important they are to the overall development of your child. I wanted to have Bernie on as a guest today to talk about the aspects of the feet that we may not hear about as much from other clubfoot resources, like the nerve endings, the fascia, the sensory development of the foot. I've read through her book and it has so much great information about the feet and gives different tips and exercises to try with your child at home to help better understand the feet and how they impact the overall development. So welcome to the podcast, Bernie. Thanks so much for being here. Hey, it's really great to be here. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited to have you as a guest today. So let's just start with the first question. It's a simple one. Why feet? What is it about the feet that made you want to write a book about finding them? Uh, well, I guess it goes back to I've worked with um, both adults and infants over the last 20 odd years. And uh, I, I see adults that have got, you know, pain, discomfort, they're not moving freely, that sort of thing. And the more I sort of looked at it and researched and looked for answers, often the answers lay down at the feet. Mm. Um, and, and then it was a podiatrist who actually wrote an article about adult ills being um, I guess, the result of poor uh, footwear in children. Uh, And so that got me thinking that is it actually what's happening in those early years that affects the older years? But but then there's lots of books about, you know, helping people's feet and the adults, and Mm -hmm. I'd actually rather help at the other end and do prevention work and education to try and change the future for people. Right. So let's talk about the aspects of the feet that you are passionate about. What part of the feet bring out the most passion for you? Oh, I guess just the fact that um, we're bipedal. We walk. We're destined Mm. to walk from the day we're born. Mm -hmm. And we just forget about them. You know, Mm. we just put a sock on, put a shoe on, and off we go. And I I did that for years. I mean, I grew up in New Zealand, so we were barefoot quite a lot. Uh, but it's the sensory part of it, mm. of feeling the ground and being grounded, perhaps. Uh, yeah. And it's so intricate, like, you know, 26 bones in each foot. I'm going to jump to 14 bones in your toes. I think that's more important. Um, wow. So I think your, your toes are the very end and mobile. And so I'm a toe fetish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A healthy toe fetish. I like it. Exactly. <laughs> um, I do think you're right. And that's one of the things about um, before I had my clubfoot child, I took so much of the feat of walking for granted, even with my older kids. It just was like a given like, OK, yeah, this is going to happen and um, you're going to walk. And that's a normal part of development. And we're so excited about it. But I never really like dove into it and paid attention to it until I had a child whose feet were not typical. And then I was like, whoa. And then I started looking at my own feet all the time. I was like, and I started feeling them when I, cause um, I do like a workout every day. And I started 
to pay attention to my own feet and my own grounding and going like, wow, like this is something that I don't, that I took for granted for so many years. And now I'm looking at it in a whole different way. Yeah. Lots of people don't understand their feet. They don't understand the importance Mm. that they're just there. Right. So what do you say is the, like, what role does the feet play in infant development? And what impact then do they have on the neurological development? Because I think that was part of your book that I didn't like, didn't fully understand until frankly, I met you. Like I know a lot about feet because I have learned about club feet and all of that, right? But the actual impact it has on overall development, it was, it seems so far from your head, right? So it's hard to connect. Like your feet are on the ground and your head is up here. So how the heck are those two things connected? Yeah, look, I mean, great question. Uh, And, you know, if you're looking at infant development, we know that they're destined to walk eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, and okay, with club foot, it's a bit like a bit of a hurdle before they can walk. Right. Um, and it's the longest neural connection mm. in the body. And for me, it's around spatial awareness, knowing where you are in the world, if you're going to land on these two feet, mm. uh, and proprioception and how we move. Um, so the connection has to be there. But, you know, what I didn't realize Uh, and writing a book is a great way to to learn so much more, is that physical development precedes cognitive and behavior. So uh, building the strong network down in the feet and having them free for movement and exploring the world influences behavior, um, sets them up you know, as they they try and crawl, as they try and roll, that's problem solving. So they start the thinking process. Mm. But all of these milestones sort of add up to them being able to then think. So it frees the brain up that I've done all my physical development uh, to then be able to take on this higher order cognitive stuff, Mm. the behavioral, uh, that sort of thing. So so the feet are, are key. I mean, the whole body is key. Yeah. I, I just took the feet because it grounds us to Mother Earth yeah. and it moves us or they move us. Yeah. Yeah. And it's what connects us most of the time to the ground. But that's interesting about it is the furthest neurological connection. And so what we need is we need stimulation down there mm. with, with stimulation and movement and input. It. Um, helps what what they call myelinate the nerves. Mm -hmm. So the difference between a a nerve that isn't myelinated is that that's the bus trip. Mm -hmm. A myelinated nerve is the the tube, the train. It it gets the messages there faster. And that's what we want. We want that reactivity, um, that ability to, you know, you you step on something, oh, you know it's sharp and you pull it away, that sort of thing. Yeah. So how important is touch when it comes to the feet? I remember with my first child, she had typical feet, but I remember some like passerby saying like, you should touch their feet a lot. There's a lot of nerve endings here. And I was like, uh, these are baby feet. Like why, why would I touch them? Like I didn't, it didn't impact me, um, to 
like it, but obviously I remember somebody saying it. So it stuck in my head, but I didn't know why, why is it so important to touch and to give that sensory stimulation? So if you think about the feet, like the hands, so you've got Mm -hmm. all the nerve endings. Yeah. So there's this feedback loop from the, the feet to the brain or from the hands to the brain, if that's easier to understand. Um, and you know, if, if some of your parents out there have seen x-rays of their little people's feet, yeah. they'll know that the bones aren't fully formed. Right. Yeah. And the that's, how, that's why the club foot works. The treatment is because the bones are still forming. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But the nerves are developing. And so they need this mm-hmm. input to, to know where they are yeah. and whether it's through your hands touching uh-huh. Or then touching things, yeah, you know, reaching out and kicking the floor, kicking their brother or sister, uh, that sort yeah. of thing. They started doing it in the womb, remember? Those first kicks. Oh, right, right. They were reaching out yeah. um, and, and kicking the, the womb. Yeah. And I think we don't think about the feet in the same way that we think about our hands. Even though we use our feet so often, um, we use our hands in a different capacity. So they don't get as much attention or credit for having all of those nerve endings. Like I don't think about that on a regular basis. The fact that my feet have the same type or um, amount of nerve endings as my hands do just because maybe the variety of movement isn't, is different with feet versus hands? Yeah, of course. I mean, our, our toes aren't as long as our fingers, so they can't move yeah. as well. Yeah. But it always makes me laugh when, uh, you know, we're coming into summer here in the UK and it's like, you know, kids' feet should be free. Yeah. Uh, in the winter, okay, yes, for warmth. But my thing is, well, if you're not putting gloves on the hands, why do you need to put socks on the feet? Unless mm-hmm. they're walking on the cold ground. But mm-hmm. if they're just around home, and I think often it's us parents that we impose our cold feet onto our kids. Yeah, I really don't like walking barefoot in my house. Even on my hardwood floor, I'm not a fan. And I uh, I just mentioned that to my husband the other day. I was like, I just don't like it. But I, um, I have always been a barefoot mom. Like I was, and frankly, a lot of the times people would be like, why don't you have socks on your kid? Um, and it was a sensitive subject with my cutie, with my clubfoot kid, because I, her feet were in something. So, you know, whether it was the cast or the brace for so, for so many hours, even when she's sleeping. Right. And so for me, I was like, I don't want to put anything on them on the times that she has. So if I'm out in the cold, I'll cover them with a blanket and then the blanket will be off when, we're inside. And, um, I think that's a good point. And I think that people, um, yeah, there definitely is a, like a sock versus barefoot sort of thing, especially when you're walking around, but I know that, and I've heard from several different sources that learning to walk barefoot is really like barefoot walking is the best way to go. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. Why why is that? Do well, you know why? <laughs> yeah. I don't so, really know. I just have heard it, but I don't really know. Like it, 
theoretically makes sense to me because it's like, okay, your feet are on the ground, right? As opposed to trying to walk in these like shoes that that's a whole different deal than walking just on your feet. But I don't, uh, beyond that, I'm not really sure. Okay. So, so let's start with um, movement. So as I mentioned before, the, the, the foot has got so many bones in it and they're designed mm. to move Okay. and they're designed to go flat. And then as you push off, they're designed to twist and that's your efficient movement system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So put a shoe on or put a sock that doesn't give you grip if you're on wooden floors, then you don't have such an efficient foot movement. Yeah. Put a shoe on that's got perhaps a bit of a, a heel and most you know modern day trainers have got a, a little slope. Mm-hmm. You change the position of the foot in mm. relation to the ground, you then change the bones that stack on top. Yeah. So wow. you are then affecting the way the body moves on top of the feet. Right. And, it, and even standing, it changes your posture. If you think about when you stand in high heels, that's the extreme. Yeah. Right. <laughs> not ideal, not ideal place um, to move from. And mm-hmm. so, you know, being particularly with little people and, and those that are then learning to walk after having mm-hmm. the treatment for club feet, it's important that they're barefoot, that they get that stimulation, that they're in the most natural position to start walking. Mm. That makes sense. It makes a lot more sense. And to feel, you know, the ankle has um, this retinacular, which is like a, a thick fascial Um, construct which is full of proprioceptors Mm -hmm. so that's part of balance and knowing where you are in space Mm -hmm. and where you're going to put your foot and how the body adjusts above Hmm. wow I think that helps it helps me because I just helps me better understand why that uh why the bare why the barefoot walking is recommended and it makes me feel good that uh my kids never have uh socks or shoes on in the house and and you know I do (laughs) yeah the other aspect is obviously um with normal shoes as opposed to minimal shoes which are light and flexible um a shoe weighs you know that's right a couple of grams so if you put that on the bottom of a leg you're going to change the swing of the foot and Mm. therefore the stride and you're going to add a external influence to how they walk Oh, not yeah. ideal. Makes sense. So for most clubfoot babies, casting begins like shortly after birth, within the first couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And during that phase of treatment, we have, uh, as parents, very limited access to the feet. Is there anything that a parent could do that doesn't directly involve touching of the feet during that time, but can still encourage some of that sensory input? Absolutely. And look, I would say, you know, from birth, mm-hmm. you know, there's no harm in massaging the feet, mm-hmm. you know, in those first couple of weeks. So take those opportunities to just get as much stimulation um, into them before they're then cast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, it was, it was an interesting thing for me to think about because the activities I put in my book, mm-hmm. you can still do a lot of them. Mm with your child in a brace or a cast and you just adapt, you know, it might be that you do some movement for them. Um, they still, you know, can be on their, their tummy and their back, I'm presuming. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and they may just learn to move a different way. You can dance with them, you can, you know, bounce them, and all of those sorts of things, you know, the physical growth and input into the other systems and the senses is important, but it can be achieved through, you know, mum and dad moving and helping the baby okay. um, in that way. And I was even thinking, you know, um, holding and touching their feet over the cast, mm -hmm. you know, surely there's this energetic transfer or even if you've got access to their little toes, you yeah. know, massaging the little toes. Yeah. That's the, the longest distance from the brain and if you can access the toes then you're accessing the foot yeah and typically in club foot casts the toes are visible and it's an important yeah. part of the casting process because uh you need to be able to check circulation and slippage of the cast so if something happens and you need to have it reapplied but i do think as parents as club foot parents we get nervous because we don't want to do anything to um you know, to cause any damage to the cast. Right. So you're like, yeah. I'm not, I'm just going to like, try to touch it as least as possible, you know, like, um, do as much protecting. But I think if we started to kind of reframe that and think, okay, your child's going to be in these casts for six to nine weeks. So what sort of safe movement, safe mm -hmm. touch that we can do that they're still getting that stimulation. So like you said, like, you know, just even playing with the toes, or if you have older siblings, let them play with their toes, right? Yeah. Like let them touch their toes. And, um, I think that's definitely something I could have done better. Cause I was always just so like anxious about anything happening that I didn't want, you know, that I was very hands-off. Yeah. And the toes are, um, some of the early foot bones to develop. Mm. Uh, so it's the midfoot that isn't, which is why the casting works so well with clubfoot. Right. Yeah, it's still just all this space and soft tissue. Yeah, um, a bunch of cartilage. And toes. So you're not going to break the toes. Well, if you yank them, you might, but just, yeah. you know, massaging them between your fingers and your yeah. thumb, twisting them, you know, a little bit, squeezing them. And that's giving them some uh, sensory awareness that, gosh, I'm that long. Mm. You know, yeah, 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 because it's, it's how else will they think that? Yeah. So in your book, you talk about different exercises for parents. Um, are there ones that you think would be especially helpful for clubfoot parents and babies? It doesn't have to be in the casting. It can be after kind of when we move into boots and bar and have a little bit more access to the feet. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think. Um, rocking mm. is a, um, a movement that taps into the brainstem. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm really keen to actually explore this a little bit more with you in terms of how can we ensure that these babies are getting the, the stimulation through exercise, be it passive, where mum or dad or brother or sister do it to the baby, or whether the baby is actually able to do it themselves with, mm. you know, uh, getting them to turn their head to look at something and the arm follows and those sorts of things. Right. Because I think, you know, I know one of the concerns is that then development is potentially delayed. Right. That's right. Um, yeah. And so there are things where 
if you're rocking the baby, moving their arms, you know, moving the waist, getting them doing different things, mm-hmm. it all helps stimulate if they don't have that mobility in the legs because of the bracing in the cast. Mm. Then once the bracing in the cast are removed or when they have, correct me if I'm wrong, when they have more time free out time. of, yep. Yep. Yep, free time, mm-hmm. definitely my activities around sensory awareness and putting things against their feet to push mm. um, to then help strengthen the legs because they've been immobile for so long, mm. we need then them to, you know, start weight bearing and moving to, you know, I guess develop that strength and uh, of the bones as well. Uh, if, you know, I'm hoping that a lot of physiotherapists are involved in this process and they guide with exercises. Um, yeah, that I think may- there is, and I think it's more. I think. You know, it depends. Obviously, everybody's experience and their team is different, but um, a physical therapist is usually, but it's more directive on um, like stretching that we do for flexibility reasons, right? Like, so we're continuing to stretch up and like a dorsiflexion to keep the ankle, you know, to make sure that that is flexible. And then we're doing some abduction stretches, right? Um, So I think those are more about, at least in my experience, about the actual functionality of the foot, less about the sensory aspect, the massage aspect, just touching your child's foot, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know, like I said before with the casting, even as I moved on, I definitely felt as though, I, I don't know, I didn't want to do anything to mess anything up. And so I tried not to... Um, touch which is understandable, right? It's understandable, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but I think the way the body is um, is built, mm-hmm. the reason that casting is successful is because the we're we're sort of plastic and elastic. Yeah, right. You know, if you, if you think about, I give the example in the book about the the Chinese foot binding. Mm-hmm. You know, and now that starts about the age of five where they actually break the toes and then they put them in this hideous lotus shoe. So, you know, if, if you wind the clock back to a newborn with club feet, mm-hmm. put them in a cast, uh, it's the, the fascial system that is the, the plastic elastic. Mm-hmm. And so it can be molded. It can be, um, you know, stretched back into shape. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, exercises are needed um, to... I guess, maintain where you've got to. But I think, you know, it's key to do leg massage. So look actually up the body beyond the feet. Okay. Leg massage, I think, would be so important, particularly on the inner leg, um, to ensure that where the the feet have curled inwards, that you are are stretching and lengthening all the way down the inner part of the leg, down through to the arch. Mm. I think that would be really important. Yeah. And then massaging the whole body, which hopefully, you know, you can massage the upper body while they're um, in cast or in the braces. Right, right. I think it's also important for parents just to hear it's okay and it's good to touch your kids' feet, right? Please do. Please do. Like, and uh, find little things that you can do. and, um, And then we talked about how, you know, different surfaces, like letting your child's feet walk 
once they're in that walking phase on different surfaces? And why is that important? Why isn't it, why do you recommend that they do all these different types of surfaces? Yeah, because it's information for the brain. Okay. And uh, like I have people around me when they see me walking saying, oh, you're brave or or doesn't that hurt? And it's it's about conditioning. Hmm. So the more we expose our feet gently, progressively to different textures, it won't be painful because, I mean, the pain is not in the feet. It's just in the brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, we don't want them walking on glass. So obviously safety is a, a key you know, message that I like to bring through around feet. Yeah, right. But in, you know, in your own home, there's carpet, wooden floors, tiles, they're different textures, different temperatures, go on the grass, go on mud, the pavement, uh, have all of these different sand. Um, sand is brilliant. And oh, I remember the first time I took my son to the beach and his feet, like the, it's like the earth moved, like what happens? And he's kicking his feet going, you know, I'd love to know what was going on in his mind. Um, I absolutely would. But it's so important. It's about that feedback loop informing the brain. It's how we learn through our physical body. And we need to learn through the physical body before we can then start reading books and writing, for instance. Right. That makes that makes a lot of sense. And I think the more that you are exposing, exposing, I think you just don't think about that. I don't think about how my feet are like impacting my brain, right? But you're right, everything you learn, I think back to when I was a child and I was, we lived kind of, I mean, out in the country, but we lived out where um, it was dirt roads and we had like a full rock kind of driveway, right? And back then I never wore shoes and mm-hmm. people, would be like, doesn't it hurt your feet to walk on the rocks? And I'm like, no, because for me, that's just developmentally, right? (laughs) That's like, you're saying my feet became accustomed to it. And that was now when I moved and I no longer was doing that frequently, when I would try to redo it and walk on rocks again, I'd be like, ow, this hurts. How did I do this as a child? Right? So it's that conditioning aspect of it. Yeah. And that feeds into behavior. Um, in terms of feeling confident, you know, mm. if I can walk on gravel, then I can walk on anything, mm. you know, that sort of thing. And so therefore I don't need to worry. Mm. I can free my brain up to look at the clouds, to look at the trees, yeah, to do other things mm. because I know my feet are okay. Mm. Yeah. It's really interesting. I think as parents too, I know as a clubfoot parent, when she started walking, I was really protective of her feet outside. I didn't want her walking on anything because I didn't want her to get cut. I didn't want there to be a scrape. I didn't want there to be anything that would impact her ability to wear the brace that she needs to wear in order to maintain the correction. So there was this very like um, overprotectiveness that I didn't feel with my other kids. If my other kids got a scrape, I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. But, you know, like. Uh, yeah, And that's understandable. And yeah. so it's about balance. And mm-hmm. how can you provide the safe stimulation? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like walking in the grass, walking on sand, if you have a sandbox, I don't live near a beach. So, um, I think it's uh, parents reframing their mind to go, okay, we can be protective, but it's also important that they have different 
access to different surfaces and that their feet have that ability. So then their brain has the ability to input that information. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. I mean, we talked a little bit about these developmental milestones, but I do think one of the biggest pieces concerns for uh, clubfoot parents when they find out about the diagnosis is whether or not their child will still meet their milestones, even through treatment. And one of the things I really liked about your book was your take on developmental milestones and like going. Um, so I just want you to talk a little bit about that, like how you view milestones. Yeah, I, I view milestones as um, a progression. Hmm. They're not attached to an age. You know, I think the moment you go, well, it's in this window, it puts so much pressure on parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But if we allowed the, the babies to have floor time to be on their backs and their tummies, it's not just all about tummy time. Mm-hmm. If we provide them the stimulation, their feet to be free, their hands to be free, they will progress in their normal mm-hmm. and what's inbuilt um, mm-hmm. way. And so I really believe you know, any child that has um, something that is stopping them, they will catch up if Mm. you then go, right, well, I know that they need lots of floor time. So I'm going to encourage them to spend time on the floor. Uh, You know, they can then roll, they can then go into crawling. And the, the thing is, the brain is really clever. And it will program it, the brain is programmed to do it. And I think if, you know, saying to parents, there's no age, if you actually just provide the stimulation for them and the the opportunity and the better environment for them, it will happen. Mm. And it will happen. And sometimes uh, I get parents talk to me and they say, well, they crawled last week, but they've they've stopped. They've just gone back to rolling on the floor. Mm. And it's like, well, they've achieved crawling. And it's something like there's something in their brain going, okay, I've got that. And then they just go backwards a little bit while the brain processes and, and mm. you know, gets it all lined up. And then they'll, you know, confidently crawl. But sometimes, you know, there is this break. They, they do it for a day and then they don't do it. And I think it's part of the brain development. You know, mm-hmm. it takes a while to catch up. Mm. Um, and so we just need to be there to support them and don't try and push them. Mm. Uh, one of my other you know, things as if your your baby is starting to walk and they'll have their arms flailing and they'll look like a drunk probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just to allow them to do that. Don't go, rush over and grab their hands and go, woohoo, let's walk around the house. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's so much more happening there. You know, they're finding their balance. They're finding their feet. They're standing on one leg mm-hmm. at a time. Uh, and, yes, they will fall, but they won't hurt themselves. So mm-hmm. safe environment again, but all of that learning is so important. And it's about being hands-on parenting, parents, mm-hmm. hands-on parents, but being hands-off mm. and allowing them to develop. So, you know, I, I say to your parents out there, it will happen mm-hmm. and they will progress if you give them the opportunity, the stimulation, the right environment, massage their legs and feet. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. give them the space. Yeah. The space to figure it out. Yes, they've been contained for a period of time for a really good reason. Right. Now they need to be free. Yeah, they need to be able to figure things out on their own time. And I think that's an important message. I think we get really caught in, 
Uh, parents today feel a lot of pressure because, you know, you get to fill out all these like ASQs and these developmental milestones as so that we're looking for these markers for if there are things that we should be watching for, right? Um, and then we know early intervention is so important in those things. So you want to catch those things early. But then at the same time, it doesn't leave a lot of room for parents to allow their children to grow at their own pace because there's so much anxiety about, oh, my, you know, my child's, you know, 15 months old and not walking by themselves independently yet. Um, but I know my best friend's child started walking at 10 months, you know, and so there's this comparative aspect and then the feeling of like, okay, now there's pressure because if there's something wrong, I need to do something about something's wrong. And it's just hard to find the balance of, um, it's hard. It's hard to give the kids the space that they need and to be hands off in a world where, you know, we're yeah. competition so is everything, and 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 faster yeah. is not better. And I think that's one of the reasons, as I was researching that I wrote the book, is that actually there's a hell of a lot going on. Yeah. Um. You know, for a baby to go from being born or being conceived all the way to walking. Yeah. And we just don't think about it. Like you wouldn't go and run a marathon tomorrow, would you? No, no, no. <laughs> it takes a lot of training. Not even and close. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So to go yeah. from horizontal or to go from, you know, in the womb to horizontal and useless, a blob on the floor. Yeah. To yeah. Being upright and being yeah. able to chase the cat. Uh -huh. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. And it's all done within such a small period of time. Like, in actuality, right? Like the actual, a year of time is not a long yeah. time and, in your life. And I'd love parents to have, you know, confidence knowing yeah. that, you know, their child will do this. And perhaps the longer they take in crawling, they're actually mastering a lot more in physical development to help them mm. cognitively. The longer they take um, to walk, now, I'm, I'm going to just backtrack a moment because uh, I know the uh, Center for the Development of Children or something, they said 18 months is now the average for walking and crawling yeah. is not important. But these are all important things. And if you give them the stimulation and the free space, you know, we may go back to seeing children on average walking at around 12 to 15 months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think a lot of parents are so busy that, you know, um, the putting the, the baby in a, a seat where they can see them, putting them from the car seat to the buggy, those sorts of things are hampering a little bit the development yeah. because they're not getting held, carried, put on the ground, those sorts of yeah. things, that free space again. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, so, you know, I think... You know, and if I think about, you know, your club feet parents, mm -hmm. uh, if they picked up my book, they can read it and pick up all those exercises and, and pick what suits them. They yeah. can sift through. They yeah. understand about this physical development, that it takes time, that there's a whole lot else happening and be reassured mm -hmm. that what they're doing is really, really good for their child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, and, and then their child can step forward in confidence. Yeah, I like that.
So if people want more information about you, your work, like where should they go and where can they purchase your book? I have a website, which is my name, Mm -hmm. BernieLandles.com. You can also search Mm, FindingTheirFeet.com. I'm on on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. uh, I'm on LinkedIn. And my book is available on Amazon or uh, any online platform where you can buy, uh, I think, Barnes & Noble over in the States there. Uh Uh Uh, Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I want to thank you so much for being a guest today, Bernie. It was wonderful. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm really, uh, you know, you've got my cogs working and I'd love to be able to uh, support uh, Clubfoot parents a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, you never know, there might be a, a different addition to the book, hey? Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. The more that we can give information and specific help for clubfoot parents is what I'm all about for sure. So it was such a privilege that they're doing a great job. That's right. That's what it all boils down to a lot of the time is reassurance and confidence in the parents that they are, that they're doing the right thing, you know? Yeah. Well, it's such a privilege to talk with you and thanks for sharing all your expertise with us. It was really insightful to learn more about uh, the feet in a different capacity. And as always, thanks for listening. And if you like this episode, please share, subscribe, follow, um, and send it to anybody you think would be interested. It doesn't have to just be clubfoot parents because it's a lot about the feet in general and how they develop. So if you need to get in contact with me, you can do so at my website at marinehoff.com or my Instagram account at clubfoot chronicles mom until next time.